title of my message tonight is Take Care. Take Care. And you can probably see from the, from the graphic how I um, sort of use the little emojis. Uh, you know, we use the word care, you know, in many ways, from careful to careless to carefree. Um, but uh, if you notice my little graphic, you have the happy smiley, um, and then it's reflected to an anxious smiley, or I shouldn't even say smiley, but it's sort of a happy emoji to an anxious emoji. And then the word anxiety is a reflection of the word take care, because we can have care, and it can become anxiety. And when does care become anxiety? Is are there two different types of care? Is there a care that we have? Is there a care that God has? Are there two types of care? And what do we mean when the Bible says, cast our cares upon God, for he cares for us? I mean, what's going on? What's the difference between our care and God's care? Well, I hope to answer those questions tonight with this message. Again, we all use the phrase, take care. Literally, it means be cautious, uh, like take care not to slip and fall on the ice. Uh, however, most of us aren't really issuing a warning as much as a departing salutation when we just say, you know, uh, goodbye, uh, take care. I mean, basically, it's just sort of like saying goodbye. It's, it's nothing really, um, there's no foreboding of the future there. Um, when I was a kid, I remember playing outside. In fact, the only time I wanted to be inside was to either sleep, uh, eat dinner, or watch Saturday morning cartoons because there was never anything else on TV during the day except for soap operas and maybe I Love Lucy reruns or something. But, um, you know, nowadays I think kids prefer to be indoors, but we wanted to be outdoors until the lights, street lights came, came on and we had to come inside. But um, growing up as children in the, in the 60s and 70s, you know, it seemed like we didn't have a care in the world. How many of you played hopscotch? Right? Drew the boxes with the numbers, um, you know, with ch on the chalk. And I don't know, maybe for today's kids, there's an app for that. I don't know. But, um, <laughs> but uh, back when it was safe for us elementary kids to, you know, to walk home uh, for lunch and then return the second half of the day of the school year, you know, we would see those on the sidewalk and we'd just have to hop through the numbers. It was just, it was there, right? Not a care in the world. Um, how many, when they were walking home from school, did they ever try to avoid stepping on the cracks between the sidewalk? Because step on a crack and break your mother's. All right. <laughs> or don't step on the grass because it's hot lava. Right? We had great imaginations back then. Uh, well, let's take a, you know what? Let's take a typical sidewalk. Um, it's width about four feet across. How many of you could walk a distance of, say, 20 feet? without stepping on the grass. Pretty easy, right? Now, what if on either side it wasn't grass? What if it was hot lava? All right, now, you know, maybe we'd have concern. Um, what if we were, instead of walking on a concrete sidewalk, what if we were walking across a four-foot bridge and on either side was a 100-feet drop? Now our... Care and concern become worry. All right, what if it was three feet across, two feet across? No guardrails. Okay, now we see how easily care can turn into worry or concern or anxiety. The word care is used so frequently, it's, um, we hear it from uh, the nurturing solicitude, it's in a mother's care for her children, 
to maintenance, such as lawn care. But I was surprised when I looked this up in Webster's Dictionary that the word care really wasn't so much those things. It actually originated from the words meaning lament or cry. In fact, Webster defines care as suffering of mind. Hmm. It implies oppression of the mind weighed down by responsibility or disquieted by apprehension. It goes on with the following synonyms. Worry means a troubled or engrossed state of mind or the thing that causes it. Concern implies a troubled state of mind because of personal interest, relation, or affection. Anxiety stresses anguished uncertainty or fear of misfortune or failure, as in plagued by anxiety and self-doubt. Wow, that's kind of um, a downer. Well, certainly God does not wish that we, his children, would live our lives in a troubled state of mind, stressed with fear and anguished anxiety. <laughs> but what does the Bible have to say about all this? How should we then live? A moment ago, I quoted Peter in his first letter, chapter 5, verse 7, when we were trying to figure out what's the difference between care, our care, and God's care, when it says in 1 Peter 5, 7, give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. And in the NIV, it's translated, cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. I see cares used two times in the same sentence, and they're both different. So I'm scratching my head, and I need to look it up. And so I do that. And I'd like you to underline the words worries and cares that you have in your notes in the NLT translation in the first part of the verse. And then in the first part of the NIV translation, underline the word anxiety. So now you've underlined worries, cares, and anxiety. And what I want to point out is that all of these are synonymous. Okay, they're translated from the same Greek word, and that's merimnau. In contrast, I'd like you to circle the word cares in the second half of the Living Translate, New Living Translation and the NIV. For he cares about you. He cares for you. Circle those words, cares. And the reason I'm having you underline some and circle the others is because there is a distinct difference. The second word is a Greek word, mele. And that is a different Greek word for care, and this is God's type of care, not our type of care, which is uh, anxiety and worries in this world. Now, before I continue, let me just kind of point out, I'm not trying to impress anyone. I'm not a Greek scholar. I just... I love to research. I love to do research. I love to share what I learn. So hopefully um, this will, will help you and it will also uh, help you to serve the Lord. So back to 1 Peter 5, 7. You can see now the difference between what you underlined and what you circled. With a mixture of both English and Greek, you could read, cast all your merry now on him because he melee for you. Now we'd all agree that no one is immune from feelings of anxiety. Not me. Um, some have more than others, and others handle it, you know, in different ways. Even steel bars will bend under proper pressure. But what we've established are two distinct words for care. So we have to come back to when does care become anxiety? And I believe the best way to answer this is with the Bible. Remember that the Greek word translated anxiety was merim now, 
let's look at where that Greek word is also used. The first verse I'd like to turn is Philippians 4, 6 through 7. And you can see the graphic that I, that I have for you. Um, it's just, it looks like someone in anxiety and anxiousness, and, um, and you have the scriptures there. So let's read that together. Um, in the ESV, it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Oh, you read that well. Now, the word anxious, as in do not be anxious about anything, there's that, that's that Greek word, marry now. How else is it translated? Well, we look at the New Living Translation and we read, don't worry about anything. See, anxious, worry, it's the same word. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Well, what do we do about this? See, the Bible has a remedy for a case of anxiety. Immediately following the word, instead, we see worry, we see anxiety, and we see the word instead. Say instead. Instead, right. Don't worry about anything. Don't be anxious about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. And then what? Then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So number one, our care is how we think. Remember, we're, we're trying to understand what our care is. So our care is how we think. Going back to my graphic design and to borrow a recent sci-fi series, anxiety in that graphic is upside down. And uh, we don't want our care to become the anxiety upside down. We don't want to be any upside down. Upside down is bad. Peace of God is good, okay? That's the happy face. Anyway, how does this happen? How do we get this peace of God? Let's follow God's prescription for anxiety. First and foremost, pray, okay? Instead of being anxious, there's your underlined word, pray. Firstly, pray. It says don't be anxious about anything. Instead, pray. And how do we pray? We pray with supplication and thanksgiving, Supplication and thanksgiving. What is supplication? Um, I think it's read more easily in the New Living Translation. It's, it's telling God what you need. It's not giving him a grocery list, but it's, it's what we need. And God already knows what we have need of. But how many people know that when your child would ask you for something, you love to give it to them, even though you wanted to give it to them anyway? It was just kind of nice when they asked and you gave it to them. It's the same thing with God. He's our heavenly father, and he loves being asked, and he loves to give freely. That's what supplication is. Secondly, thanksgiving. Thank him for all he has done. Now, it can be difficult to, you know, kind of be thankful for what we do have when we're so focused upon what we don't have. But remember, God already knows what we need. So when you pray, thank God for all, he's, for all he has done. 
approach him with an attitude of gratitude. The Bible tells us to come into his presence with what? Thanksgiving in our hearts, right? And God's presence naturally leads to experience God's peace. God's presence naturally leads to experiencing God's peace. The peace of God is experienced in the presence of God. The peace of God is experienced in the presence of God. It says, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. So you see the progression, how we need to pray, how we need to pray with supplication and thanksgiving, and that thanksgiving brings us into the presence of God, and in the presence of God, there is perfect peace. God is perfect peace. He's perfect love. And the Bible reminds us that where God's love is, there is no fear because God's perfect love drives out all fear. 1 John 4, 18. Now, to be clear, anxiety, you know, since I did say the word, all right, anxiety is an emotion, okay? There is no on-off switch for emotions, okay? No one would choose to be anxious or worrisome or feel fearful or depressed, but yet God's remedy is clear. We can choose God's presence. We may not choose anxiety. We may not choose depression, but we can choose God's presence. And we can stand upon the promises of God's word, which reminds us in Isaiah 26, 3, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Emotions are in the mind. And when our mind is stayed on God, and when we trust him above everything that's around us, we can find that perfect peace. And that perfect peace, as we just said, cast out all fear. Fear of the unknown, fear of what may happen, fear of what we think will happen, fear of the future. God's already there. When we think of the future, God's there. He's got you. Let's look at another scripture passage. This is found in Luke chapter 10. And we know the story where Jesus um, meets with his friends, Mary and Martha. And it says, Now as they were on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve all alone? Tell her to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, 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 you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Now, I'm sure you're well, well ahead of me. The word anxious in verse 41, where Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. There's that same Greek word, Miriam now. Peterson translates it this way. The master said, Martha, dear Martha, you're fussing far too much and getting worked up and getting yourself worked up over nothing. <laughs> I bet Jesus might have said that today. You're fussing far too much. Added a little graphic that you can kind of see how one person in the graphic, which represents Mary, is focused upon one thing, and that's the cross. That's upon Jesus. That's why he says one thing is necessary. 
And when he says, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about so many things, you look at all the little bubbles coming from the person that's supposed to represent Martha in this graphic, and you see all these different things. You see time, you see money, you see relationships, you see politics, you see work, you see school, you see all these different things, and there's so much, but yet one thing is necessary. And one thing I want to make mention, number two, is our care, we were talking about our care, our care is a choice. Our care is a choice. Jesus said to Martha, Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. She chose that one thing that was necessary. Where did Mary choose to be? Mary chose to be at the feet of Jesus. Mary chose to be at the feet of Jesus. In contrast, where did Martha choose to be? Martha chose to be fussing around the house. They each had a choice. Now, what do we make of this? Martha was anxious, and Mary was at peace. Can we agree on that? But you see, Martha didn't choose to be anxious. She didn't just decide... I'm going, to be all ang- I'm going to be all anxious. I'm going to have all this anxiety and stress. She didn't choose that. That came from fussing around the house. Similarly, Mary's peace came from her choice to be at the feet of Jesus. What's the takeaway? Simply this. Right emotions follow right actions. Right emotions follow right actions. You can substitute the word right feelings. Again, there's no on-off switch for emotions or feelings. Our feelings are our own, okay? How we feel is how we feel. It's what we do with those feelings that matters. But what can be said is those feelings can be influenced by what we choose to do. What we choose to do. Had Martha chose to sit at the feet of Jesus, she would not have been anxious. One final example of this is from uh, from Scripture where Jesus uh, tells a parable of the sower. And you'll recall how the sower sowed seed that fell among rocky soil, among thorns, and upon good soil. Uh, We'll pick up in uh, Matthew 13, verse 22. The seed that fell among the thorns represented those who hear God's word. But all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced. And yep, you guessed it. That word, worries of this life, that's our Greek word, marry now. So ask yourself, how would you describe fruit? In this passage. We'll come back to this in our, in our discussion. And if you're watching online, uh, I would invite you to come and join us here at church because after our broadcast, we have some lively discussion and Q&A and just a really good time for you to be with other people and um, where we get to talk about things together. So make sure you join us uh, here in person on a Wednesday evening. So ask yourself, How would you describe fruit in this passage? And do you see yourself producing such fruit? Could the worries of this life be responsible for your lack of fruit? 
And what would those worries of this life be to you? Finally, what will you do differently in order to produce such fruit in your life that God desires of you? And these are questions we'll revisit later, but it's something for you to take home and ponder because God has given us everything we need to produce that fruit, but the choice is ours. Now it's time to introduce that other Greek word, you know, the other care, you know, back in 1 Peter 5, 7. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. All right, we spent a lot of time talking about the our cares. Let's look at the other one. See, this word for care is the Greek word mele. And it's characterized by how a shepherd cares for his sheep. A mother cares for her baby. A father cares for his family. See, there's no anxiety in God. God is not stressed about everything. He has everything under control. That's why we're called to cast our cares upon him. He can handle it. Let's quickly look at two scripture passages where God's care is actually called into question. Let's return first to the story of Martha and Mary. Luke 10, 40. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. That word care in, Lord, do you not care, is in fact our Greek word, mele. Yes, Jesus cared, but his care wasn't the care of Martha. Martha's care was translated anxiety. Jesus' care is much different. See, Jesus' care, number three, Jesus' care is to teach and to guide. To teach and to guide. Mary was at his feet listening to the teaching of Jesus. The other passage is when Jesus is asleep in the boat with his disciples in the midst of a storm at sea. And it's found in Mark 4, 35 through 40. We read, As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, Let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. But then he asked them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Right again, that word care in verse 38, Lord, don't you care that we're going to drown, is our Greek word mele. Before putting out to sea, Jesus fed 5,000 people. Why? Because he cared for them. He looked upon the multitudes, and they were like sheep without a shepherd. That's the care of Jesus. Jesus cares about people so much so that he sent his only son Jesus to come to earth to die for us. That's how much God cares. 
So whether the miracle of the fish and loaves or the calming of the sea, Jesus' care is to protect and provide. Jesus' care is to protect and to provide. He protected the disciples in the storm. He provided for the multitudes when they had no food. That's the care of Jesus. Our care, like Webster, is this, you know, anguished mind that just, ah, you know, that is, that needs the peace of God. I hope you can see the contrast between melee care of the Lord as he protects and provides with the merry now care, which is the root of worry and anxiety. But melee care can become that merry now care when we focus upon ourselves. You see, when I said our care, that's the natural man. That's what occurs in us naturally. We're prone to worry. We're prone to have anxiety. We're prone to fear. We're, it's just our natural way of survival, so to speak. But God is, super, is above all of that. He supersedes all of that care and worry and anxiety and fear and depression. And so when he gives that to us, when we look outward as he looks outward, we can experience that care that Jesus has when we care for others. But when we're anxious and we're looking inwardly, that's when our focus can become so narrowed, it's sort of constricting. And it's sort of like that bridge that instead of four feet wide, it's narrower and narrower and narrower. The narrower our focus becomes upon ourself, the more anxiety we have of falling off. But Jesus' care is so wide, so vast, so high, so deep. There's no way of falling off Jesus. That's the kind of care we need in our lives. And that only comes through outreach. Because Jesus came to serve, not to be served. Romans 8.28 says, We know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Now, it's really easy to, to think about the first part. All things work together for good. I like that. I don't have to worry about nothing because it's all going to work out for good. Yep. Who are called according to his purpose. Wait a minute. There's a purpose? Um, does that imply that I got to do something? I don't, I don't want that. I just want everything to work out for good. You know, just sit back and take care of me, Jesus. No, God has a purpose for all of us. Do you feel anxious? Look at Proverbs 12, 25. Anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. I could just think of anxiety as a, this large anchor, this super heavy thing that's just weighing us down or a ball and chain that we're dragging around. You know what? When you see someone on the street, when you see someone at the grocery store, at the bank, at your workplace, do you just ignore them and do your own thing? Or do you stop and, and give a kind word? Hey, how you doing? Hold the door open for them. Hey, can I help you carry those? These are things that cheer you up. These are things that lighten the load. When Jesus said that 
my burden is light. That means that we can take our burdens and place them upon him because his burden is light. We need to look outward as Jesus did. And that's the growth work that we have is to look outward, not inward. To help someone in need. Number three, remember, if you love God, you'll love people. Number four, share a kind word. Smiles are free. And lastly, invite someone to Friend Day. Remember, October 29th is going to be a very special day here where we can um, come together and be part of a, a special service where someone can come and sit with you and enjoy cider and or hot apple cider and donuts after the service. We'll have a nice little reception. And then we'll also have a wonderful um, kids program in the back where they can get all the candy they can possibly eat uh, with our candy trail um, that starts right after service. It's just going to be a great time. It's really easy to invite someone. And I think that reaching out, that looking out, that inviting someone, I think that would help all of us maybe to cope Maybe cope isn't the right word, but um, to sort of give away that stress and anxiety in our lives to Jesus because now we're living for what he wants us to do, and that is to share the gospel. That is to invite others to church where they can hear the good news. And so don't let anxiety weigh you down. Offer a kind word. Invite someone to church. You know, a lot of people are like it was when... Kyra and I were in the Ozarks um, uh, a number of uh, number of weeks ago, and you know, just going down those hills and up and down these hills, there was one one way, um, one particular stretch of road that I remember. Every time we would go to one place, or the other, I always remember it. And in the dark, it was really scary because you'd go up the hill and you couldn't see on the other side of the hill, and after you crest the hill, you still didn't see down because it was kind of flat and then it turned. So by the time you saw on the other side, it wasn't straight anymore. You were going this way. And I knew, I knew what was coming up, but every time I was like, there it is. <laughs> and, you know, sometimes it's like that. Sometimes we're anxious about the future because we don't really see what's coming up. But one thing I could always do is I can look at that white paint on the side of the road. And as long as I knew, okay, well, the white's like that, or it's like driving in fog. You ever driven in fog? You don't really, you don't really see like more than 10 feet in front of you. You kind of look down at the front of your hood and, you know, see that white line and just stay, you know, near the shoulder. You know, that's, that's the way Jesus is. He leads us. He guides us. He teaches us. He protects us. He provides for us. That's God's care for us. And that's the care he wants us to give to other. Far in contrast to the cares of the world, which are worry and anxiety. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for showing us the difference between the cares of this world that we shoulder sometimes as, as worry, anxiety, fear, and depression. And Lord, the care that you have, the care of a good shepherd, the care of a mother hen for her chicks, the care of a heavenly father for his children. Lord, you came so that we would have life and have it more abundantly. 
Lord, you said you came as a servant, not to be served, but to serve. And Lord, we want to live our lives like you. We want to offer a, a cheerful word to others, to give a smile, to give a helping hand, to invite them to church, to exemplify what it means to care as you care. Help us to be more like you. And in so doing, Lord, we will just naturally see the anxieties of this life fall to the side because we live the way you would want us to and you give us everything we have need to accomplish that. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, thank you this evening for being with us. Uh, we're going to close the broadcast and then I'll be right back and we'll um, share in some discussion amongst ourselves. And good night to all of you at home. <laughs> <laughs>